Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. To be receiving ministry from Ben this morning. He um, is a very gifted speaker and teacher, even though he doesn't want to recognize that himself. <laughs> Humble as well. Um, ben has been um, ministering in the youth and young adult space for quite some time, and he is um, at the moment working with Churches of Christ, Vic Taz, um, in that space as well. Um, so I've benefited from um, a lot of Ben's expertise and coaching and, you know, just doing it together and doing life together. So I'm excited to introduce you to him. Come on up, Ben. Yeah, welcome him. Thank you, Um, Guys, I'd just like to pray for Ben um, before he shares the word this morning. Um, Father God, we thank you um, for sending Ben this morning. Um, we thank you that you go before him and you have laid a message on his heart that you have prepared and you have chosen, especially for us today. Um, God, we just ask that we would have um, space to hear and receive the words that you're speaking to us this morning, that they would sink deep into our hearts and that um, we would recognize what it is that you're calling us to do. We would recognize what it is you're asking from us and how you are inviting us to respond this morning to the message that we hear. Um, Yeah, I just pray that Ben would um, have a clear mind and clear thoughts. He would just be able to walk in your leading God and, um, yeah, share this. Share the word this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks, Bri. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me this morning, guys. Just, um, just reminiscing when I had hair. Um, it's a beautiful time. It was, it was last year. So anyway, my head feels a little bit colder now. Awesome to be able to speak the word to you this morning. Um, I said it in the 9am service, and I, I think I do believe it. <laughs> I'm not. I don't particularly consider myself a uh, excellent, eloquent preacher, but one of the things that I feel as though the Lord leads me to do um, sometimes quite well is to present a truth that He has for you, and then help to disciple you to live that truth out. Um, a lot of the times when I'm in church, um, I hear messages, and messages we, we need to hear messages every single day. Like if there wasn't a local church in Australia, we'd be gone as a nation. Because I mean, there's not very many organisations where every single week we open up the Word of God and hear wisdom every single week. Sometimes I'm left going from churches wondering how do I do what's just been spoken about. And today, uh, you know, in the in the West, uh, I, I have the ability to to talk to Eastern church people and the Eastern mindset. Uh, I'm from Fiji, basically. Um, not basically, I am from Fiji, <laughs> that's where I was born. <clears throat> um, but my heritage is Indian, and actually my dad's name is Raj Kumar as well. Um, and in the Eastern Church, what they're actually quite good at is orthopraxy, how to do the word. Uh, we in the West are very good at the orthodoxy, which is what does the word say. So I want to bring both of those elements to you this morning, and I have a word on my heart that's burning on my heart for you. 
um, around the theme of joy. You know, um, I recognise that with people this size in this room, some of you are going through some incredibly hard things in your life. You know, sometimes uh, we come to church and we believe that as soon as we step through that door, we need to plaster a smile on our face. Can we be real here and understand the fact that some of us, if not most of us, have pretty ordinary weeks a lot of the time? And it may seem like to you that your world is caving in around you. It may seem like to you that you can't go on for another day. Now, some of you here are fine and you're doing well, and praise God. But I, I often forget what it's like sometimes to not have Jesus in my life. Sometimes I forget what it's like to not have his wisdom. And the fact that some people are just going through the day not knowing that they can survive the next day effectively. You know, one of the hardest things, as I was praying for this, this service, <clears throat> one of the things that popped into my head was actually just a word for, for, for mothers. Mothers and fathers, but particularly mothers. I know there's a few mums here. One of the hardest things you'll ever engage in is to raise your children. This is just an aside. I just want to share this with you. Take it or leave it. And there's a narrative out there in this world at the moment that you have to be absolutely perfect or you're going to screw your kids up. Does anyone feel that pressure? Even as a dad, I feel that pressure. I've got two beautiful kids. One six years old. His name's Levi. I don't know what he runs on. Probably just pure gasoline because he just doesn't stop, right? Yeah, he's just like full of fire. I'm literally parenting myself when I was that age. <clears throat> and Ruby, beautiful girl, loves dancing. And one of the things that we recognize is this culture places an expectation that you have to be a perfect parent. Can I just tell you, you don't have to be a perfect parent or you're going to screw up your kids. All you've got to do is pray that your parents encounter God. You are not God. He is. And he's interested in raising your child. I didn't come from a perfect family. I come from a pretty broken family. But God met me. I think I'm doing okay now. You might notice a few ticks, but I think I'm doing okay now. So that was just an aside. So I just want to encourage you with that, okay? So as, as we go through this, as we go through life, we understand that not all of it's rosy, not all, not all of it's a field of lilies, not, not all of it's uh, unicorns and, and clouds. And there are real pressures that people face. My question is, how do you experience joy in the Christian life when you're going through what you're going through? Because it's not enough for me to come to your church, and I don't even know if I'm going to be back again, depending on how this sermon goes. <clears throat> It's not enough for me to come to you and say, hey, you've got to be joyful. Christians are to be marked by joy. We have a history, a heritage for thousands of years where we've been through the most brutal persecution and yet we've come victorious. Our, our, our faith was marked or started through blood. Our saviors and the martyrs that have gone before, we were thrown into Colosseums with lions ripping us apart. You just heard the persecution that the Eastern Church in India are going through. Right now there's persecution, but there's one thing that we have in common is that we are victorious. We serve a risen king, and joy should be the thing that people recognize us by. Amen? So what, what do I do this morning? Do I say to you, hey, have a positive mental attitude. That thing that you're going through at the moment, not knowing that if you're going to make it through this week, 
You'll be right. She'll be right, mate. That's not the message that I have this morning. Because as beautiful as positive thinking is, you need something that causes that. Amen? So if you've got your Bibles with you, I want to just open up uh, this passage here from the book of Philippians. Now, Paul was writing to the Philippian church. When he was writing this letter, he was in a, a jail cell, a Roman jail cell. Now, this jail cell is not like the ones that we have at the moment in the penitentiary. It was underground. There was no light. The only light that you would have in that jail cell is a candle. It was like a cave, effectively, and he was chained within that thing, sometimes to Roman soldiers or sometimes to the actual cell itself. And he was penning this letter. Now, in this jail cell as well, you, they would have a hole in the middle of it where all of the sewage of the Roman city would pass through. And this is why I think in this letter, Paul says, I count everything as dung, as refuse, apart from the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ. Because he saw it every single day. It's like, oh, all my training, that's, that's that, compared to knowing Jesus Christ. And in this jail cell, it was dark, he was lonely, he was damp. Before this time, he was persecuted, he was stoned, he, he was, as in like stoned with stones. Um, he was shipwrecked, um, he was beaten, he was whipped. So the pressure around him was immense. Paul went through things that most of us will never go through. And he's in this jail cell, and you know, he, was a, he came from a prestigious line, a pedigree, which ensured money, security and fame for him, and it was all gone because he put his faith in Jesus Christ. And he's writing a letter to the Philippian church saying, rejoice. Have joy. Sixteen times that word and its equivalent is used in the book of Philippians in only 104 verses. How can someone, with all intents and purposes, have their life completely destroyed be in the worst, most darkest place, physically and literally, pen the words, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord, be joyful and be glad in Him. I don't think he was making this up. He was genuinely saying that. There was something that Paul had that within him was way brighter and stronger than the darkness that was set outside of him. And I would submit to you this morning that I think what made Paul have that sort of mindset, I'd submit to you what made Paul have that strength. I'd submit to you, you know, you know sometimes when um, you're going through some really hard stuff and you, you can just, you can barely just eke out a smile? This is not the, this is not the picture we're getting with Paul. It's like he's rejoicing, smiling, glad in the midst of the deepest darkness. What does he know that what we need to know in this church? How many know that um, eternal truths exist beyond cultures and centuries? Paul knew an eternal truth that was applicable to him then just as much as it is applicable to us now. And I submit to you it's this. Paul had the word of Christ ablaze in his heart. You see, apostles back then, they weren't people who, like, like I've come like, with a five-point sermon. He didn't, he didn't crack out his laptop and go, okay, today we're going to talk about this, this, and this. The apostles back then were carriers of the message. 
And when Paul met Jesus on that road in Damascus and he had his, the scales dropped from his eyes, the word of the Lord became alive in his heart. For years and years before then, he was following the Torah, thinking that he was serving God. But all of a sudden, Jesus came and the Torah became the word of Christ and it burned inside of him. Therefore, the Lord could send him to communities and when he would speak, he, said, he would actually even say, I have not come to you with eloquent words of wisdom. He was just, when he said that to the Corinthians, he was just in Athens. So he saw with his eyes all the philosophers that would, it was almost like they had a TED talk. It's called Areopagus. Say that five times and you're speaking in tongues. He would see these people speak with eloquent words of wisdom. And he came to the Corinthians and says, I'm not, that's not me. The word that I speak is the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. And I don't speak it with eloquent words of wisdom trying to convince you. I speak it with the demonstration of spirit and power. And the Lord, Jesus, would, would confirm that word with signs, wonders, and miracles. This is the power of that message that was living inside of him. And because it was so hot and because it was so ablaze in his heart, he could go through all the trials. He could go through all the beatings. He could go through being stoned. He could go through being whipped. and go through through being in prison and being jailed and having seemingly his whole life burned to the ground and yet penned to the Philippian church, rejoice in the Lord. Are you with me so far? We do not need to come up with the power to be joyful. You don't need to come up to the power with the power to put a smile on your face. You don't even need to come up with the power to have positive thinking. If you would but let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, it will produce, it will produce those things in you. If you would let the word of Christ burn in your heart just as much as it's burning in the Apostle Paul's heart, that itself will produce those things in you. This is not about self-effort, guys. We do not serve a self-effort gospel. We serve a gospel which is a message that has an anointing on it that can change the lives of anyone that hears it and believes. Amen? You were born again through this gospel. When you heard this gospel for the first time, and maybe you're here this morning and you haven't heard of the gospel. You haven't heard of the gospel of God's grace. But when you heard it first, the first time and you believed, your spiritual nature got changed. You were born again. This is where we get the term born again Christians. Your, your spirit was dead to God, but now he's become born again. That which made you born again is the thing that's going to sustain you as you go through this life. Does that make sense? It is your food. Now, when I first became a Christian, uh, the Lord taught me some truths around meditating on his word. Now, I'm not talking about Eastern meditation, which is emptying your mind. It's actually the opposite. It's about filling your mind with the word of God. And he brought me across this guy who lived a couple of centuries ago named George Mueller. Have you heard of George Mueller before? Yeah, okay. George Mueller is an amazing man of God, amazing man of faith. He would, one of the stories of George Mueller was that he was providing for these orphans and there were, there were hundreds and thousands. There was actually about 5,000 orphans. And one morning, he ran completely out of food. You have all these people who are sitting to breakfast with empty bowls. And George Mueller's faith was such that he would stand before all these children knowing they had absolutely no food whatsoever. And say, children, Let's lift our bowls to the Lord and thank him for what he's going to provide 
for us this morning. There's no food in their bowls. This isn't a Peter Pan kind of use your imagination kind of thing. What happened at that moment, you can read it in his biography. A milk truck and a bread truck broke outside of his orphanage as they prayed and it had enough food in it to feed all the children that morning. This was the faith of George Mueller. And George Mueller himself said he didn't have the gift of faith. George Mueller himself said that the faith that I received was purely from meditating on the Word of God. So can I read to you something out of his journal, which you can, which you can find on the internet. I'll read sections of it to you. You can read the whole thing. Of him just explaining how important meditating on the Word of God, having it inside his heart, consuming him, feeding and nourishing his soul. Remember when Jesus says we cannot live on bread alone, but every single word that comes out of the mouth of God? That wasn't a fanciful saying. He was literally telling you a spiritual truth. We need to feed our inner man just as much as we feed our outer man. Let me read it to you. It says this. May 9th, 1841. It has pleased the Lord to teach me a truth, the benefit of which I have not lost for more than 14 years. The point is this. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord. You know, stop there for a second. I get into this habit as someone who preaches the word, who teaches the word, that the, sometimes the only time I get into the word is to get a message for people. If I do that for a few years, I can guarantee you I'll hit a wall and burn out. It's like saying the only time I'm going to eat food is when I need to do something. It is incumbent upon me not to go into the Word just for you guys. It's incumbent upon me to go into the Word for myself. I need to be fed. You've got mums and dads, people who run businesses. You've got pressure all around you. It is incumbent upon you not to just to go into the Word and feed yourself for other people. Feed yourself for yourself, and then you'll have something to give to other people. Amen? Not how much I might serve the Lord or how I might glorify the Lord, but how I, how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. This is the first thing I did after having asked a few words of the Lord and blessing upon his precious word, was to begin to meditate on the word of God searching, as it were, into every verse to get blessing out of it. Not for the sake of public ministry of the word, not for the sake of preaching on what I had meditated on, but for the sake of obtaining food for my own soul. He goes on to say that he would pass through trials, the pressures that would come upon him with ease because his soul was nourished. He said George Mueller did the thing that the Apostle Paul did. He allowed the word to burn in his heart. You know, the scripture says in John 10.10 that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life and life more abundantly. Do you notice it doesn't say the devil has come to kill, steal, and destroy? Have you ever noticed that in that verse? It says it comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal what? Because if you meditate on that verse... The devil can't kill or destroy you if he can't steal from you. But the logical question you have to ask is, what's he trying to steal from me? And when you go into Mark chapter 4, 
you see, Jesus says it very plainly, what the enemy tries to steal from you. He says, the word of God is like a seed in Mark 4. That when it is preached, it enters your heart. The first thing that the enemy will try to do is steal that word out of your heart. I can guarantee you, as soon as you try to go home today, the enemy is going to try to steal this word out of your heart. Your enemy, the enemy is not going to try to destroy your family first. He's going to try to steal the word of God out of your heart so that he can destroy your family. Amen? The enemy is not going to try to destroy your mind first. Excuse me. He's going to try to steal the word of God out of your heart. Then he's going to try to still destroy your mind. He will steal. He will kill. And then after that, your life will be destroyed. That is not creative. That's just the process that Jesus has to bring life into your life. Because the opposite of that is, God will put, if he wants to see your life and family prosper, your mind, your health, your life for him. He's not just going to tell you, go out there and do it. He's going to put his word in your heart. And Jesus himself says that when the word gets planted inside a heart and you don't allow distractions, and the perse- do you know the only reason the persecution will come into your life is so that the enemy can distract you, so he can steal the word out of your heart? He's actually not that afraid of you. He's petrified of the word of God growing in your heart. He's not really scared of people. He's scared of people when the word of God grows. Why? Because Jesus says when the word of God grows in your heart, it produces fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's how the kingdom of God expands on this earth. It's through God's word in your heart. So he is petrified and he'll do anything from distractions to persecutions to bringing, to bringing calamity in your life. You know, when, when I read this as a young guy, I thought, yes, I'm going to meditate on God's word and everything's going to go perfectly. But I started to find out that as soon as I put God's word inside my heart and started living by it and allowing to, to change my soul and renewing my mind, all of a sudden, all hell will break loose. And I remember coming to the Lord saying, I might be missing something, but I thought things were going to go really well. Psalms 1 says that everything that you shall do shall prosper. And the Lord showed me Mark 4 saying, yes, the reason why these things come, the reason why these waves come is so that you would not hold on to that word and it would escape out of your heart. If you're going through an incredibly bad time at the moment, it could be that you either need to get the word of God in your heart or it's because the word of God is inside your heart. Amen? But if you keep it through persecution, if you keep it through hard times, if you keep it when you are beaten or the waves are crashing around you, if you keep that in your heart, the promise of God is that the word of God will produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold, and your life will be changed. This is a promise from God. This is an encouragement from God. Don't quit. Keep it inside your heart. Keep hold of it. I, had, I went through a, um, a situation two years ago when I broke my ankle. I was playing soccer. Soccer's my game. And in the first service, I, I, I told everyone I wouldn't brag, but I'm going to brag again. What happened was I was playing soccer and I played a great first game. My mind's still 17 years old, but my body's about 36. And I played a great game, and you know, I was all hyped about it. And then my friend said, hey, you want to play a second game? I'm like, yeah, no worries. So I came in, and I was, I was trying to get a hat-trick in the, in the second game, and 
I, I came in for a goal, and a goalkeeper just <laughs> thought he'd just jump out and land right in my ankle with his knee. And my teammate behind me heard the snap. He was about a metre away. Snapped. I ended up getting five screws in my ankle, big scar, and a plate. My teammates hobbled me off, and I had to watch the rest of the game. And it was more painful to see them lose the game than my actual ankle itself. Through that time, what happened was through lack of sleep and because we're in the middle of COVID as well, and I'm just hearing doom and gloom and things like that, what started to happen was fear got inside my heart. And I started experiencing things like panic attacks and bizarre. I've got a pretty good mental state, so I never experienced that before, and it was terrifying. And I remember asking the Lord, because it was cold, we were locked in, just hearing doom and gloom, saying, I don't know what to do here. God had prepared me with a message of meditating on his word for years and years and years. And I felt like him saying, now it's time for you to start practicing. And as I was jumping in the shower, the Holy Spirit said to me, renovate the back of your mind by assimilating my word. And when he said that, clearly in my head, I'm not talking about audible voice, I'm talking about something louder than an audible voice. Speaking to my spirit, I knew exactly what he meant. What is assimilating God's word? I'd love to be able to spend all afternoon teaching you what that is, but let me just teach you quickly what it is. I'll learn how to meditate on God's word, because remember, I'm not just telling you what to do, but how to do it. I learned meditating God's word by listening to a guy named Anthony Hopkins. Does anyone know who Anthony Hopkins is? One of the greatest actors ever. Yeah. Clarice. Don't watch that movie. But like, <laughs> all right. Get in trouble. Somewhere, he was in an interview and someone asked him, and he, what is it that makes you such a great actor? It seems as though it's so natural to you. Now, what to do when to pause, the nuances, intonations in your voice. What is it that makes you a great actor? Is it method acting? He said, no, it's not method acting. I'm not, I don't even believe in that sort of stuff. I don't try to get in character before I come into screen. And I said, well, what is it? What makes you so natural? What makes it that you, that you almost live out this performance? He says, well, it's very easy. When I get a script, I read it. And I read it. And I read it. Because everything's in the script. But I read it 250 times. Now, I try to figure that out. It's a long time. <laughs> a full 40-hour weeks just reading and reading and reading. And he said this, by the time I'm done, it's no longer a script that's sitting there. It's a script that's inside my heart. And I can add and I can, I can add things to it and stop when I want to. I know the script because it's, it's, it's become a part of me. Jeremiah says, I found your words and I ate them. And it became a source of joy and burning inside my heart. Psalms 119 says, your word is a heritage. It is my joy. Psalms 1 says, I meditate on the word by day and night. I'm like a tree planted by streams of water. God's word is not just to be preached. It's not just to be talked about. God's word belongs in you. It is to be part of you. And so when the Lord taught me assimilating his word, it was very simple. Pick a book of the Bible and read it over and over and over and over and over and over again. So not only am I trying to think about what the Bible says, its thoughts have become my thoughts. Its heart has become my heart. And when I read Galatians, 
over and over and over and over and over again. I started thinking like the Apostle Paul. I started seeing things like the Apostle Paul. And can I tell you something? This right here is pure victory. It is pure joy. When it becomes a part of you and a part of your heart, you don't have to think about what does God's word say. You will see through the lens of God's word. Every single trial that you're going through, you'll see it through the lens of God's word, of God and his thoughts. And let me tell you, God doesn't lose battles. He wins. He's pure victory. Amen? So that was assimilating God's word, and it brought light into my life. Psalms says that the entrance of your word brings light. Are you in a dark situation at the moment? My suggestion would be don't try to solve your own problems. It's the equivalent of going into a dark room and searching for your keys. I lose my keys all the time. This morning I lost my keys. I also lost the belt to my pants. I didn't know where it was. It was, in the, it was in, anyway. I keep losing things all the time. And, and I had to leave at like 6 o'clock this morning. It was just dark. I'm trying not to... I got kicked out of my own bed because my kids were in my bed. And I'm trying not to wake up everyone. Sometimes that's like us in life. We have these problems and you're trying to solve them in the dark. Can I give you some advice? If you're losing your keys in a dark room, what would be the logical thing to do? Turn on the light. Friends, if you have problems in your life and you you are struggling, turn on the light because then you'll be able to see properly. You'll see what the actual problem is. The entrance of his word gives light. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Jesus himself says, if you know my word and you walk in it, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus himself said, if you know my words and you do them, you'll build your life on the rock and the waves will come uh, this is no sugar coating in this thing the waves will come but you'll be able to withstand security safety light freedom this is the christian message that we have and it is full of joy my friends and you have the responsibility and you have the ability to put god's word the word of christ in your heart paul says let the word of christ richly dwell in your hearts. Then you'll have wisdom and you'll sing psalms and hymns and a joy to each other. This is what it produces in our lives, guys. We do not have to live a defeatist attitude as Christians. We are victors and we come from a tradition of victory. That does not mean that you live a life without persecution. It means that you can go through it with strength. Amen? So I just want to finish this off by just praying for a few people. Is that okay? I hope you've been encouraged this morning. This assimilating God's word has completely changed my life. It's renewed my mind. It doesn't happen straight away as well, guys. This isn't a silver bullet. But it does happen. And I'm starting to see fruit in my life. Every single situation that I get into, whether it's a conversation, watching a movie, or a problem that I get into, the Holy Spirit brings up a scripture that's relevant to that time. He's your teacher. He wants to lead you into all truth. So just with eyes closed at the moment, I just want to pray for two particular people today. If you're really struggling and you feel like the darkness is caving in, maybe you feel like the Apostle Paul in that jail cell and you have no idea, you can't see the light. My friends, it's not up to you to see the light outside. It's up to you to see the light that's already inside of you. The Holy Spirit is inside you. The gospel 
wants to burn in your heart. And if that's you this morning, I'd just love to pray for you. Just with eyes closed. This is not meant to be a magical thing. It's just for privacy, that's all. If that's, if that's you at all, just raise your hands and I want, to, I, want, I want to pray for you. Is that okay? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, you see these people coming to you and wanting to stand before you, Lord. And we know, Lord, that you have given us this gospel, the anointed message that has the ability to change your spiritual DNA and the food that feeds our spirit. And I just pray for these precious people, Lord, who have raised their hands knowing that you have a solution for them. This is not a message with no solutions. This is not a hype-up message. This is pure kingdom strategy. That we would do, as Jesus said in Mark 4, put that word inside of our hearts. Paul says that he prayed for the progress and joy of this faith. This faith is meant to be joyful, Lord. And you see these people, Lord God, and I know, Holy Spirit, that you will teach those in this room that want this, the, the ability to assimilate your word and to cause a fire inside their spirit so they could easily pass through the trials that will be coming their way and yet have a testimony of rejoicing. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Just one more, guys, if that's okay. Just with eyes closed at the moment, if there's anyone here who hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as their saviour, maybe you've come this morning and maybe you're online as well, and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as forgiving your sins, and you don't have that relationship with him, and you haven't heard this gospel before. I'm just going to give a quick moment right now for you to respond to that, and I'd just love to praise, uh, pray for you. So if, if that's you, just raise your hands. I'll, I'll be more than happy to pray for you. Okay? Let's give you a few seconds. I always want to give this opportunity, just in case there's one person there who this is your day to meet Jesus as your saviour. Thank you. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. For those who raise their hands, I'm going to pray for you, but I want you to pray this prayer in your heart as well. Now, I want you to recognize the fact that you're asking to be discipled by Jesus. You're giving your life to him, and he's become your Lord and your saviour. This is your opportunity to give up absolutely everything. This isn't your life and tacking Jesus on. This is you are giving your whole life to Jesus Christ. Those that rose their hands, I'm going to pray this with you and I want you to pray it inside your heart. Lord, you see the responsiveness of that heart. And we're not asking to say one little decision. We're, we're looking at this, Lord, as we're giving your whole life to you, to be your disciples and to follow you. And today you have called them to follow you, Lord Jesus. And you see their heart, Lord God, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that as they, as they accept you as, your, as a saviour that you are, they're also accepting you as the Lord of their life. And this is a glorious day for in the scriptures it says, well, when one repentant person who repents from their sin turns their eyes to heaven, all of heaven rejoices. And we know that heaven's rejoicing right now. And we will do our part in discipleship and follow up, Lord God. But Holy Spirit, this person has given their life to you. So we thank you and we honor you. In your precious name we pray. Can we give a round of applause and celebrate that? Okay. It's amazing.
I want to encourage you guys to keep the Word of God ablaze in your life. People will be blessed because you're doing that. Thank you so much for allowing me to preach. Amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.